Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Supreme Court justices, oil companies, baby formula companies, the NRA, the Second Amendment, free speech, the First Amendment, drug companies, the white dominant culture. I'm sitting here right before I come on making a list of targets of people and institutions that are under attack depending on what the issue is and depending on what the day is. Rather than confront and address issues The people who create the narrative and the false realities in our society create targets and enemies and anger, which really address nothing but their political and power demands. They don't like a decision likely to come out by the Supreme Court on abortion, which would actually save babies. So they take aim at the Supreme Court and the justices. When there's a mass shooting, even before the facts are out, they take aim at the NRA and the Second Amendment. When gasoline prices go up, they blame the oil companies. But what 
What about when gasoline prices were low? Doesn't matter. Baby formula, virtually non-existent. And for two more months, folks, it's the fault of Abbott Nutrition. Whatever goes wrong in society, or whatever you think goes wrong in society, or whatever the chip on your shoulder says is wrong with society is because of white-dominant society. And most of all, the problem is that you don't agree with them. So they attack the First Amendment. They attack free speech. And I could go on. I got an email from a very, very liberal person I know, I worked very closely with over a period of time. And he says to me in this email, If conservatives do not take the lead in proposing responsible, common-sense gun legislation, liberals will capture the public's anguish over children being slaughtered. You and only you, meaning me, could propose a rewrite of the Second Amendment that would not be a bitter pill for Republicans to swallow. Something must be done, and you are uniquely in a position to do it. Last time I suggested this to you, you swatted me off with go write your own damn book. But the time has now come for you to take a brave conservative stance and do what Ronald Reagan would want you to do. With all due respect, and I mean it. He's a very smart man. And a very good person. Ladies and gentlemen. If there was such a simple fix to evil, don't you think don't you think people even before I was born would have proposed it? Don't you think we'd be reading about it today? Don't you think we would take that answer and enshrine it throughout our society, whether a constitutional amendment or something else? But there's not. There's not. These shootings have, in some respects, a similarity, and in most respects, dissimilarity. Like so much crime that takes place. But the first thing we need is honesty, and we can't get it. Even in this email. Even in this email, I'm not asked, what are the issues that you think we need to address or confront or whatever? It's the one issue. The one issue. The Second Amendment. Last month it was the First Amendment. The First Amendment. The problem is multifold. First of all, you can't easily change the Constitution. And if we were to change the Constitution, we have activist courts 
We have a president who doesn't comply, just issues executive orders. We have rogue committees of Congress, and so many of us don't trust them to abide by what it is that they say they will abide by, and for good reason. For good reason. We understand human history. We've seen what's happened in other countries, and we've seen what's happened in our own country, even just with this administration. A board of disinformation and misinformation? Destroying Title IX? So girls in high school and colleges and universities, any that take any federal money, don't have a chance in sports because of a transgender movement? And that's a new civil right? Send our kids to class? with this radical indoctrination to hate the country, to hate each other, to dismantle the nuclear family, to push a radical Democrat Party agenda through brainwashing, indoctrination. The spending that takes place in Washington, D.C., that has destroyed our economy, that has made it virtually impossible for people who are on minimum wage or salaried or on pensions to make ends meet, food shortages that have just begun, just begun. Gasoline prices like we've never seen before, and I have reports here, the We're going to reach a period here where it's not an issue of prices for gasoline. It's an issue of availability. People in America are tired of being pulled in one direction and pulled in another direction and pushed in one direction and pushed in another direction. We're tired of the hateful, vile, poisonous propaganda in our newspapers and on TV, we're sick of it. We're sick of being put down. We're sick of being abused. We're sick of having our money taken from us and then wasted and redistributed to organizations and groups with whom we have strong disagreements. We're sick of seeing our traditions destroyed. Police who were universally respected, were told or to be detested. We're tired of it. Sick and tired of it. What exactly is it that they would say in a new Second Amendment that would stop what took place in Texas? We have to bend our knees to actions that would undermine the Bill of Rights and have literally no effect on the security and health of our children? That's what we're supposed to do? That'll make us feel better? And exactly who's going to lead this effort anyway? Biden? Schumer, Pelosi, McConnell, 
there was a an article written uh, in the Washington Post, an opinion piece that I want to share with you and find the damn thing. Um, let's see here, Mr. Producer, you just sent this to me, didn't you? Send it to me again, if you would. Oh, here it is. And this is part of the problem. Washington Post columnist Paul Waldman. Whenever there's a mass shooting, conservatives mobilize all their powers of creativity to come up with explanations for gun violence that have nothing to do with guns themselves. Was it an inadequate mental health system, schools with too many doors where a shooter could enter, video games, sugary drinks? But this time around, many on the right are homing in on what they see as the real culprit, American culture. In other words, it's us. Well, not conservatives themselves, of course, the rest of us. We're the real problem. The line of argument is both dishonest and surpassingly stupid. And to believe it, you have to either pretend the rest of the world doesn't exist or conclude that Americans are the most deranged and violent people on the planet. Let's begin with something we should all be able to agree on. No other advanced industrialized democracy has the gun violence problem we do. Then he goes on. Mass shootings account for a relatively small portion of gun deaths in the United States, but they're a particular horror. The Gun Violence Archive counts 214 mass shootings defined as incidents with four more victims in the United States so far this year. Around three mass shootings every two days. Now, it's interesting. I went back and looked. This man hasn't written about all the slaughter that's taking place in our inner cities every weekend. Because those would account for most of the mass shootings. And account for almost no front page consistent media attention. So Americans stand alone when it comes to gun violence, he says. How do we explain that fact? Since the massacre in Uvalde, Texas, conservatives have found the answer in American godliness and incivility. So he quotes Fox News' Rachel Campus Duffy, Fox News' Lara Trump, conservative radio host Mark Levin, uh, Washington Examiner columnist Timothy uh, Carney, The Wall Street Journal, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said the problem is not enough religion. But if that were the case, the same peer countries where there's so much less gun violence would be absolutely drowning in blood. And he goes on. I have to take one of these breaks. But I want to I want to address this when we return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today 
at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. We're going to take our time and go through this and what law enforcement and the governor of Texas had to say today, and then I want to move on to some other issues. But Paul Waldman at the Washington Post is both vapid and predictable. And he's a liar. He does not address, nor does he want to address, how young people with rifles have had rifles in the United States since the beginning of the United States. What explains what's taking place? He doesn't want to discuss it. He's dismissed mental health. He's dismissed uh, the culture. He's dismissed video. He's dismissed everything because, you see, Paul Waldman knows everything. And so if you're not prepared to do what Paul Waldman insists that we do, even though he has no background in anything of any substance or consequence, then he'll dismiss you, dismiss what you may know, dismiss your experience, and that's that. So it's guys like Waldman that make it impossible to protect little kids in the future. And he's not alone. And I have to do this, because I have no choice. There's a piece in fee.com. Gentleman John Mildemore, if you asked me this morning, and this is two years ago, which nation is the most mass shootings in the world, I would have said, with perhaps a flicker of hesitation, the United States. It's a tad embarrassing to admit, but I'm pretty familiar with the shooting statistics, having written several articles on gun violence in the Second Amendment. He says... The dominant narrative, let's be clear, President Obama said in 2015 after a shooting in North Carolina, at some point we as a country will have to reckon with the fact that this type of mass violence does not happen in other advanced countries. Harry Reid, again, three years ago, echoed this sentiment. The United States is the only advanced country where this kind of mass violence occurs. And we've heard it today and yesterday and the day before. When we come back... Let's pursue this. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N, 
for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the most passionate conservative on radio. Talk with him now at 877-381-3811. Again, reporting just three years ago. Media headlines have left little doubt that the U.S. leads the world in mass shootings. In fact, according to CNN, it isn't even close. The U.S. makes up less than 5% of the world's population, but holds 31% of global mass shootings. The comments and data seem to conclusively say that the U.S. leads the world in mass shootings, and the violence is unique, a product of America's gun culture, and that's pretty much what Waldman is saying. Don't look anywhere else. That's it. He's decided. He knows. It's a slam dunk case except for one thing. It's not true. Statistics on global mass shooting incidents from 2009 to 2015, which is all we had then, compiled by economist John Lott of the Crime Prevention Research Center, show that the U.S. trails many other advanced nations of mass shooting frequency and death rate. Comparing annual death rate for mass public shootings, that is, comparing European countries to U.S. and Canada from 2009 to December 2015, the United States was number 11. The frequency of mass public shootings, again, comparing the same countries, the U.S. was number 12. As Investors Business Daily noted on these findings, yes, the U.S. rate is still high, and there's no question about that. No question about that. Certainly nothing to be proud of. But it's not the highest in the developed world, not by a long shot, they wrote. If this is true, how did a narrative that the U.S. leads the world in mass shootings become the conventional wisdom? He writes, the myth, it turns out, stems from University of Alabama associate professor Adam Lankford. Lankford's name pops up in a montage of media reports, which cite his research as evidence that America leads the world in mass shootings. The violence, Lankford said, stems from the high rate of gun ownership in America. The difference between us and other countries, which explains why we have more of these attackers, was the firearm ownership rate, Lankford said. In other words, firearms per capita. We have almost double the firearm ownership rate of any other country. Lankford's findings show that there were 90 mass public shooters in America since 1966, the most in the world, which had a total of 202. But John Lott, using Lankford's definition of a mass shooting, four or more people killed, which you just heard Waldman regurgitate in his Washington Post opinion piece, found more than 3,000 such shootings, John Stossel reported. When findings do not mesh, scholars in pursuit of truth generally compare notes, data, and mythology to find out how they reached their conclusions. After all, who is to say Lankford doesn't have it right and Lott has it wrong? Just one problem, at least back then, Langford isn't talking. He refuses to explain his data to anyone, to Stossel, to Lott, to the Washington Post, apparently anyone else who comes asking, including this writer. He said, I emailed Langford inquiring about his research. He declined to discuss his methodology, but said he would be publishing more information about mass shooting in the future. Now, uh, he has since published his research. And indeed it is, yet it doesn't explain how one professor's research was so rapidly disseminated that its erroneous claim quickly became the conventional wisdom in a country with 330 million people. For that, we must look to the era of narrative-driven 
journalism and the politicization of society, both of which subjugate truth to ideology and politics. Media and politicians latched onto Lankford's findings in droves because his findings were convenient. This is an unsettling and ill omen for liberty. As Lawrence Reed <laughs> has observed, the road to authoritarianism is paved with a careless, cavalier, and subjective attitude toward truth. Yet that is precisely what we see with increasing frequency in the mass media. This is, like I say, three years ago. And that's what you're seeing in this debate. There's a more updated piece in Reason by Robbie Sove, senior editor. For many people, the Uvalde, Texas mass shooting, which claimed the lives of at least 19 children and two adults, seemed all the more horrible after they learned it was the 27th school shooting so far this year. 27th. That fact makes it harder to view Uvalde as any kind of isolated incident. An NPR article highlighting this statistic has been shared frequently on social media. The headline, 27 school shootings have taken place so far this year. Probably gave many readers the impression that gun-related killings in schools have been especially high this year, even before Uvalde. And of course, naturally, the prospect of 26 other previously unnoticed mass shooting events in schools should provoke alarm. It should also raise eyebrows. The problem here is that three very differently defined terms are being used somewhat incautiously and interchangeably. School shooting, mass shooting, and mass school shooting. Again, I want to make it abundantly clear, one of these kids killed is one too many. But there's now a massive under, a movement underway, bipartisan, to change the country in significant ways. And you need to know about this. Uvalde was a mass school shooting. The 26 previous tragedies, tragedies at schools this year, were not. The difference is significant. Education Week, which tracks all school shootings, defines them as incidents in which a person other than the suspect suffers a bullet wound on school property. Many of the 26 previous shootings involved disputes between students in parking lots or after athletic events, and all of them resulted in one or zero deaths. These deaths are still incredibly tragic, of course, but they are fundamentally unlike what happened in Uvalde. Uvalde is a mass school shooting. Now, this is defined in different ways, too. An incident in which at least four people, some counters make it three, are shot and are killed. The Gun Violence Archive, which was mentioned by Waldman, counts incidents in which at least four people were shot. Under this definition, many incidents of street crime and domestic violence count as mass shootings, even if no deaths occur. A stricter tally of mass school shootings conducted by criminologists for criminologists, plural, for Scientific American only includes incidents where the shootings resulted in at least four deaths. Using this criteria, the number of mass school shootings in the United States since the year 1966 is 13. These crimes claim the lives of 146 people in total. 
again, horrific. But these are the true statistics. These are the actual facts. Obviously, 13 incidents in the last 56 years is a very different statistic than 27 incidents in the last few months. The two figures are so far apart because they measure separate things. One-off gun incidents are a serious problem in the United States, and those taking place at schools are no exception. Mass casualty events, on the other hand, constitute less than 1% of all gun deaths. Suicides and non-mass casualty murders, usually carried out with guns rather than assault rifles, constitute the overwhelming majority of gun crimes. And given the sheer horror of the violence in Uvalde this week, it's understandable that the public is interested in ensuring that such a thing never happens again. But for the policy debate, which is what Mr. Waldman has now engaged me in, and the demagogues and propagandists at the Washington Post, the New York Times, and in the main corrupt media have engaged me and others in, but for the policy debate to be fruitful, People need to understand the actual contours of the problem. So for Mr. Waldman, he lies about the statistics. He lies about the data. Biden did exactly the same thing. Schumer did exactly the same thing. The media at large are doing exactly the same thing. They're pushing us into one tunnel where somebody like me who says, let's take a look at everything. Oh, you must be a right-winger nutjob. And yet they will not fix whatever the problem is. They won't even come close to improving the problem. To improving it. That is, addressing in a way that improves security for our little kids. Any answers are going to be complex enough and they're going to be inadequate no matter what they are. But to run down a tunnel, because that's the only place you're allowed to look, is simply unacceptable to me. I'm not going to be bullied into it. I'm not going to be beaten down. Not going to be shouted down. You remember that Sky Reporter... Yesterday I played the audio who was trashing Ted Cruz when Ted Cruz was trying to explain his approach to school safety and he was attacking American exceptionalism. Is this exceptionalism? Is this what America is all about? Well, that reporter you should know a little bit more about since that episode can be found everywhere on the internet and on some news programs because I forgot to put on the list Ted Cruz who you're supposed to hate and target and this is from a Jewish publication Sky Reporter blames Jewish hate incidents in Britain on Israel Apparently his name is Mark Stone. And he writes a post, I am so sorry your children have to hide. Unacceptable. It's interesting that so many Israelis, quote unquote, tell me that, quote, Jew hatred, unquote, 
you experience is actually the consequence of the current Israeli government's policies, their prolongation of an untenable occupation. He wrote this last August, and he still works for Sky News. Shameful. Absolutely shameful. Jonathan Goldstein, chair of the Jewish Leadership Council, described Mr. Stone's comments as truly outrageous and unacceptable. Two hours later, after being widely condemned for his tweet, Mr. Stone deleted it and then apologized. Lord Ian Austin, reacting to it in Britain, said it is completely unacceptable for a senior broadcaster at an organization with the responsibility for impartiality and accuracy to blame the victims of anti-Semitism for the racism they are subjected to instead of the racists responsible, offer excuses for racism, and hold Jewish people collectively responsible for the actions of the Israeli government. Well, of course, the actions of the Israeli government, right? In other words, defending the citizenry. That said, now you know a little bit more about the sky so-called reporter who cornered Ted Cruz and was berating him and our own country that has appeared everywhere on the internet even conservative sites that haven't explained exactly who this phony reporter is Sky News everybody wants to be Jim Acosta I guess right Mr. Producer even though Jim Acosta didn't even sink that low I'll be right back Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, Reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Look at all the time we waste as individuals and as a society dealing with the reprobates. things that we might be able to solve but for these ideologues who accuse people of what they actually are the reason why an opinion writer for the Washington Post or the New York Times or people working in the corrupt media will never get beyond their tunnel is because they can't ideologically They are part of the radical left in the Democrat Party, if not officially, in terms of their thinking and their propositions. So they're all queued up to take the positions they take. They are not interested 
in real discussions about what do we do, what can we do. And in many respects, that would mean that their careers, that their brands, that their reputations would be diminished, maybe even evaporate. Post-millennial Chuck Schumer blocks school safety bill, says gun legislation is the answer. Ron Johnson, not surprising that the Democrat leader would lie about the bill he blocked that parents of Parkland victims have been trying to pass for years. That's exactly my point. Now we're talking about bipartisan gun reform. And they have their buddy Frank Lutz out there saying, don't call it gun control, call it gun safety. I can help market this for you. The bill would have charged the Department of Homeland Security with establishing standards for best practices in the area of school safety. And to quote, collect clearinghouse data analytics, user feedback on the implementation of best practices and recommendations identified by the clearinghouse, and any evaluations conducted on these best practices and recommendations. Schumer blocked this. According to Fox News, after the horrific mass shooting at Uvalde, Texas Elementary School, Ron Johnson asked for the Luke and Alex School Safety Act to be passed unanimously with unanimous consent. Schumer commented publicly he felt the bill would lead to more guns in schools and believes that gun control legislation is the solution. Period. He said, GOP Senator Johnson just tried for a bill that could see more guns in schools. I blocked it. The truth, there were officers at the school in Texas. The shooter got past them. We need real solutions. We will vote on gun legislation, starting with the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. And Johnson immediately tweeted his frustration and criticism of Schumer, saying that the Democrats in the Senate and other levels of government are simply looking for wedge issues and don't really care and don't really want to solve the issue. Democrat leader would lie about the bill he blocked that parents of Parkland victims have been trying to pass for years. They're not looking for solutions. They want wedge issues that they hope will keep them in power. Sick. Very sick. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Now, I'm going to do something I rarely do. I want you to listen to Stephen McGraw, the Texas Department of Public Safety Director, at a press conference today when many of you may have been at work or elsewhere. And at least in this first clip, I want you to listen to him without my interruption. Cut to go. 
At 11.27, we know from video evidence, at 11.27, the exterior door suspected of what the, where we knew the, the shooter entered, Ramos, was propped open by a teacher. 11.28, the suspect vehicle crashes into the ditch, as previously described. The teacher runs to the room 132 to retrieve a phone, and that same te teacher walks back to the exit door, and door remains propped open. There were two males, as reported by Regional Director Escalon yesterday, there were two males at a funeral home that when they heard the crash, they went to the crash scene. When they arrived at the crash scene before they got there, they saw a man with a gun exit the passenger side with a backpack, and they immediately began running. Ramos began shooting at him. Did not hit him. One of the males fell when he was running. Both males returned to the funeral home while they're running. And then again, we see through video, teacher reemerges inside the school in panic and apparently calls 911. 911 call at 11:30 that there was a crash, man with a gun. 11:31, the suspect reaches last row of vehicles to the school parking lot. 11:31, the suspect shooting began at the school while patrol vehicles got to the funeral home. I'll point out where it is. Crashed vehicles over here. Suspect sliding behind a vehicle. Started walking down, shooting into the classroom. There was a discussion early on that an ISD, consolidated ISD for Uvalde, had officer, was a resource officer, had confronted the subject. That did not happen, as R.D. Escalon talked about yesterday. It was certainly stated in preliminary interviews, but often these preliminary interviews and a, walk, a cursory walkthrough doesn't reveal the type of information, and certainly, you know, police officers, like anyone else, under stress, sometimes witnesses get it wrong. But the bottom line is that officer was not on scene, not on campus, but had heard the 911 call with a man with a gun, drove immediately to the area, sped to what he thought was the man with a gun, to the back of the school, and what turned out to be a teacher, and not the suspect. In doing so, he drove right by the suspect, who was hunkered down behind a vehicle, where he began shooting at the school. Eleven thirty-one. the suspect shooting in between the vehicle is when it began, while patrol vehicle gets to the funeral home. Multiple shots are fired outside the school at 11.31. Patrol car accelerates in the parking lot, drives by the shooter. That's exactly what I was talking about. The, that was the ISD officer at that time. He passes and then leaves the camera view. There's multiple shots fired at the school at 11.32, at 11.32.27, at 11.32.36. At 11.33 is when the suspect entered the school at the door that I'm pointing to now. At 11.33, the suspect begins shooting into room 111 or 112. It's not possible to determine from the video angle that we have at this point in time. We do know this that he shot more than 100 rounds based on the audio evidence at that time, at least 100 rounds. 
here at 11.33, or 11.33, started shooting in the classrooms, well, at 111 and 112. And 11.35, three police officers entered the same door as the suspect entered. All three of those police officers worked for the Uvalde Police Department. They were later followed by another four, a team of Uvalde police officers, three, and also a, a, a county sheriff, county deputy sheriff. So a total of seven officers were on the scene. The three initial police officers that arrived went directly to the door and two received grazing wounds at that time from the suspect while the door was closed. At 11.37, there was more gunfire. Another 16 rounds was fired at 11.37. One at 11.37 and 16 seconds, 11.38, 11.40, 11.44. At 11.51, a police sergeant and USB agents started to arrive. At 12.03, you know, officers continued to arrive in the hallway, and there were as many as 19 officers at that time in that hallway. At 12.15, we know that BORTAC members arrived. Not the entire BORTAC, but members of BORTAC, along with Shields. At 12.21, the suspect fired again, was believed to be at the door. At 11.21, law enforcement moved down the hallway. At 11.50, they breached the door using keys that they're able to get from the janitor because both doors were locked. Though both of the classrooms that he shot into were locked when officers arrived. They killed the suspect at that time. Mm -hmm. Cut three, go. And now I'd like to go over the, the 911 timeline. Which I'll warn you is not... not better than I read it than you listen to it. The caller identified, I'll not say her name, but she was in room 112, called 911 at 12.03. The duration of the call was one minute and 23 seconds. She identified herself and whispered she's in room 112. At 12.10, she called back in room 12, advised her multiple dead. 1213, again, she called on the phone. Again at 1216, she's called back and said there was eight to nine students alive. At 1219, the 911 call was made and, and another person in room 111 called. I will not say her name. She hung up when another student told her to hang up. At 1221, you could hear over the 911 call that three shots were fired. At 1236, the 911 call, it lasted for 21 seconds. The initial caller called back, student, child, called back, and was told to stay on the line and be very quiet. She told 911 that he shot the door at approximately 1243 and 1247. She asked 911 to please send the police now. At 1246, she said she could not 
she, that she could hear the police next door. At 1250, shots are fired. They can be heard with a 911 call. And at 1251, is very loud and sounds like the officers are moving children out of the room. At that time, the first child that called was outside before the call cuts off. All right. At some point, they're going to release those calls. And it is going to be unbearable for everybody, especially the families, to hear what people were saying in those calls. More. Cut five, go. What's this the right decision? What's this the right decision? What? What can you tell parents that were here waiting and asking for the police to go in? Yeah. There was 19, like I said, there was 19 officers in there. In fact, there was plenty of officers to do whatever needed to be done, with one exception, is that the, the incident commander inside believed they needed more equipment and more officers to do a tactical breach at that point. That's why BORTAC was requested. BORTAC the is soon- the, uh, the, the, the special border patrol uh, outfit. Go ahead. They executed, they searched, or at least a, a dynamic entry, and went in, and uh, of course, that was not until 12, that was not until 1257. Hey, with the benefit of hindsight, hey, the benefit of, hey, stand by, stand by, hey, stand by, hey, stand by, right? I got it, I got it, okay, hey, from the, from the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, of course it was not the right decision. It was a wrong decision, period. There's no no excuse for that. But again, I wasn't there, but I'm just telling you, from what we know, that we believe there should have been a, an entry at that as soon as you can. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay, it's no longer a barricaded subject. We don't have time. You don't worry about outer perimeters. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification, and that, that, doc, that doctrine requires officers. We don't care what agency you're from. You don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at and keeps shooting until the subject is dead, period. And that is what my friend, police officer in Florida, among others, emailed me yesterday and I read to you. You go in. Certainly since Parkland, that's the rules, really all over the country, all local law enforcement. And you train for that. You go in, whether you're one, two, three, four, five, eight, ten officers, you go in and basically you try and kill the perpetrator. That's what you got to do. And you hear what he said, there were 19 officers in there, 19 but they treated it as a barricade situation, not as a live shooter situation. And that was a grievously deadly decision. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, was furious. And he spoke today to Cut 18 Go. Short answer, yes, I was misled. I am livid about what happened. I was on this very stage two days ago, and I was telling the public information that had been told to me in a room just a few yards behind where we're located right now. I wrote down hand notes in detail about what everybody in that room told me in sequential order about what happened. And when I came out here on this stage and told the public what happened, it was a recitation of what people in that room told me, whether it be law enforcement officials or non-law enforcement officials, whatever the case may be. And as everybody has learned, the information that I was given turned out in part to be inaccurate. And I'm absolutely livid about that. And here's my expectation. My expectation is that the law enforcement leaders that are leading the investigations, which includes uh, the Texas Rangers and the FBI, they get to the bottom of every fact with absolute certainty. There are people who deserve answers the most. And those are the families whose lives have been destroyed. They need answers that are accurate. And it is inexcusable that they may have suffered from any inaccurate information whatsoever. And it is imperative that the leaders of the investigations about exactly what happened get down to the very second of exactly what happened with 100% accuracy and explain it to the public, but most importantly, to the victims who've been devastated. That's a leader. Comes out, explains exactly what took place, doesn't dig in. Doesn't dig in. He wants to know what took place. Cut 19, go. Uh, You talked about the rollback of any of the legislation that I signed this past session. Let's be clear about one thing. None of the laws that I signed this past session had any intersection with this crime at all. No, No law that I signed allowed him to get a gun the gun that he did get. And, and so, again, there, there, was, there was nothing about the laws 
from this past session that has any relevancy to the crime that occurred here. With regard to special session, let me just say this, and that is, first of all, all options are on the table. Second, most importantly, to your point, do we expect laws to come out of this devastating crime? The answer is absolutely yes. Uh, and there will be laws in, in multiple different subject areas. For example, I do fully expect to have every law that we pass in the aftermath of uh, the Santa Fe shooting to be completely revisited. And, and first, we need to gain the information about exactly what happened at the school to find out the extent to which those laws were complied with to the extent that they were not complied with to find out what shortcomings uh, allowed this travesty to occur. And Secondly, right there is what I said in the first hour, which your Congress refuses to do. Which your major media refuse to do. He wants to look at everything and anything once we get the facts. Schumer said no. Waldman said no at the Post. My liberal friend who wrote me said no. Guns. That's it. Cut 20, go. Let's be clear about a couple of things uh, that, that, that show that these uh, background checks, if everyone wants to seize upon a particular strategy and, and just assume, well, well, that's the golden strategy right there. Look at what happened in the Santa Fe shooting. A background check had no relevancy whatsoever because the killer took the gun from his parent. Look at what happened in the shooting in Southern Springs. There was a background check that was done. It was done in a flawed way that allowed the killer to get a gun. And, and so anyone who suggests, well, maybe we should focus on background checks as opposed to mental health, I suggest to you is mistaken. If there's anybody here who thinks we have perfect health care in this country, in this world, they're wrong. If there's anybody who thinks that we can't do more to address mental health care, they're wrong. They can't. We can't. And we're going to. I am extremely impressed with this man more than ever before. This is a governor who's really stepped up to the plate. I've seen the same with DeSantis. I've seen the same with a handful of others. But this man, with this horrific situation, where he's the chief executive of this state, he's not running around screaming at the top of his lungs at this group or that group. He wants to get to the bottom of this. He wants to figure out what might be done to improve the situation. That's a leader. I'll be right back. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. 
or choose unlimited data and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. President Trump spoke moments ago at the uh, National Rifle Association Convention. He did not cancel. Because he understands the NRA is made up of citizens who are law-abiding citizens. It's quite interesting. I don't think any, but certainly not the vast majority of people who do these horrific things are members of the NRA. Do you, Mr. Producer? No way. Just a few moments ago, President Trump at the NRA convention cut 22 ago. I want to ask for a brief moment of silence as I read the names of these beautiful people. All young, wonderful lives ahead of them. They're brave teachers whose lives were destroyed by an out-of-control lunatic. So we'll start. Alexandria Rubio. Aletha Ramirez. Amory Garza. Annabelle Guadalupe Rodriguez. Eliana Cruz Torres. Ellie Garcia. Jacqueline Cazares. Jayla Nicole Silguro. Jace. Lovarnos, Jose Flores, Leila Salazar, McKenna Lee Elrod, Maitai Rodriguez, Miranda Mathis. Nevea Bravo, Rogelio Torres, Tess Marie Mata, Ozia Garcia, Javier Lopez, two great and beautiful, brilliant teachers, Eva. Morales, Irma, Garcia. Cut 23. And while those he slaughtered are now with God in heaven, he will be eternally damned to burn in the fires of hell. As we mourn for so many beautiful victims, I know that everyone here joins me in praying for the families who are suddenly missing the brightest light in their lives. 
We see their agony. We ask God to ease their suffering and to heal their pain. And together we grieve side by side as one great American family. Leadership. Despite a judge in New York demanding that he and his kids give testimony in an outrageous attack on him and his businesses and his family by the Democrat Attorney General in New York, despite the fact of this grand jury created by another Democrat Attorney General, excuse me, prosecutor in a Democrat area in Georgia, threatening him, despite the fact that the January 6th committee and leaks to the New York Times and Politico and CNN by members of the committee and staff on the committee are trying to indicate that they want to create a criminal situation, a bizarre criminal charge against the president for some bogus claim, despite all those pressures. He goes to the NRA convention and speaks like our actual president. He's a man of great courage. He really is, despite the best efforts of his enemies in the Republican Party, in the Democrat Party, in the media, in federal law enforcement, to try and tear him to pieces. You heard Donald Trump And yet, this is what we're offered by our media. Night after night, day after day, people are given a platform to spew their contempt, their hate for this country and the people of this country. Cut 13, Joy Reid on MSNBC yesterday. Go. We begin the readout tonight with Republicans just tying themselves into pretzels. To point the figure at every single thing but the problem, the gun, in the wake of the murders of 19 fourth graders and two of their teachers in Uvalde, Texas. From mental health to arming teachers to more armed law enforcement in schools, every single thing, except making it harder to buy weapons of war. So basically she plagiarized, if not legally close enough, the piece written by this guy Waldman in the Washington Post, where they insist that we not look at the culture, at mental health, that we not look at anything else. And this is why Governor Abbott said what he said. We're going to look at everything. But whatever you do, ladies and gentlemen, don't look at our rotting culture why? Well, read about Marxism. Read about American Marxism. Look at what the Democrat Party has been and still is. Look at the media. Listen to Joy Reid. You don't want to listen to her? Listen to Scarborough. You don't want to listen to him? Listen to Cross. You don't want to listen to her? I can go down the list of the reprobates in the media and in politics, starting at the top with Joe Biden. Then they bring back Tom Brokaw on The Morning Joe. 
Why? Is he some kind of sage? Is he some kind of wise man? No. It's an old man who fronted for the Democrat Party throughout his career. Cut 14, go. Already, Republicans especially are saying, well, we don't need more gun control. What we need to do is secure security at schools around the country. What we're going to do, turn these schools into some kind of jail where kids go to school and get locked in and don't have the possibility of getting out when they want to? I don't think that's a solution. Is that what everybody's saying? Kids be locked in and get out even though they don't want to or some such mealy mouth gibberish? Turn them into jails? Is that what he said after 9-11? Is that what he said about our airports? Is that what he said about the Capitol building? Is that what he has said about any sports stadium? What's he talking about? Rambling on. So you can't talk about school security. You can't talk about mental health. You can't talk about culture. Just guns. That's it. That's the answer. But it's not the answer. What gun law would have stopped the slaughter in Connecticut? Name one gun law. If you could write a gun law, what would have stopped it? He murdered his mother and took her weapons and went into that elementary school and executed 20 kids and six teachers. Now, what gun law would have stopped that? And if there is such a gun law, why didn't Chris Murphy actually write it and propose it so the entirety of the American people could see Hey, Senator Murphy wrote a law that would have prevented the slaughter in that elementary school. What gun law? What gun law would have stopped that racist from going to that grocery store and murdering those 10 black people? What gun law would have stopped that? And here we have a breakdown of law enforcement and protocol. And these poor 19 kids calling 911, no doubt crying out for their parents. The parents prepared to die trying to get into the damn school to save their children. What gun law would have stopped that? He had a background check. What background check would have stopped that? Now let's get serious. Serious. This is out of control. These propagandists and these demagogues who drag this country down every damn time. Looking for scalps. Let's see if we can get this radio guy or Fox News or this or whatever. Let's see if we can do it. Media Matters out front. Mediaite out front. Democrat front groups looking for opportunities. Schumer wouldn't even bring a bill to the floor of the Senate. A bill supported by the Parkland parents, or at least many of them, claiming it would have created a situation with more guns in schools. That's insane. Insane. You can see the rot in the media. You can see the rot in the politicians. Mitch McConnell doesn't know which way to turn. Sends Cornyn out there. 
Susan Collins out there to work with whomever. A bill, any bill. Let's just get a bill. And that'll pass. Won't address anything related to what's taking place. Then there'll be another one. They keep lying. Lying about the actual statistics. Lying about the data. Lying about our country. Lying about the possibilities, other areas that can be addressed. We are utterly dysfunctional. And they're making us dysfunctional. The Waldmans. The Reeds. The Scarboroughs. The Brokaws. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Are Russia's gains in eastern Ukraine turning the tide of its war? is a piece in the week, but it's in many news outlets now. Russia appears to have significantly scaled back its immediate ambitions in Ukraine, now throwing the bulk of its remaining military might at a handful of cities in the eastern Donbass region, writes Peter Webb. The Russians are making inroads. So the Putinoids and the GOP and the Democrat Party, especially in the media, are probably celebrating this Memorial Day weekend. Russia's forces are on the outskirts of Lyman, conducting an intense offensive to take control of the important rail hub in Donetsk Oblast, Ukraine's defense ministry said. If they take Lyman, nearby Slavonetsk is within shelling range, and the last Ukrainian strongholds in that area are a big step closer to being encircled, that is the Ukrainians being encircled, their army. The situation, quote, is serious, unquote, said the regional governor. Our guys are holding on, but the city is constantly being shelled with every possible weapon in the enemy's possession. Ever since Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24, on almost every front, Russia has underachieved while Ukraine has overachieved, NPR reports, but our Russia's scorched earth advances in the Donbass, a sign that the tide of war is shifting in its favor. I mean, these, they're blowing these towns off the face of the earth. That's all they know. Using, in some cases, their World War II uh, ordinances. Just indiscriminately slaughtering. So they're going to have a very wonderful happy hour, or five, 
on the Putin wing of the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, and especially in the media. Let's see how much they report on this. On cable TV. On network TV. Russia's recent gains in the Donbass offer a sobering check on expectations for the near term, writes Michael Kaufman, a Russia expert at the Center for a New America Security. The breakthrough at Popsana, a nascent encirclement of Lyman, threat to cut off these other regions from reinforcements and supply lines, and the fact that Russia is making these advances despite a relatively weak military advantage suggests Ukraine forces have suffered significant attrition. I tell you the truth. You're not hearing this in many places. He said Russian forces may not be prosecuting offensive with much enthusiasm, but it is equally difficult to expect them to rout or melt away. Similarly, the situation within Ukraine's army remains a major unknown, but it's clear the war is taking its toll. Russia's making progress, but it's paying a steep price for the gains it has made, says the Wall Street Journal. And the Kremlin is sending units from southern Ukraine to fight Donbass, according to Ukrainian officials, and losing so many men that continued Ukrainian resistance could eventually force it to shift strategies again, even with its already scaled-back ambitions. Three months ago, Russia was widely assumed to have the resources to grind down Ukraine in an extended war. Some aren't so sure anymore. Russia has not yet solidified its control over the parts of Ukraine it has captured, but control over Ukraine remains Putin's goal, and that goal is not going to change, says Natalia Bugayava, a Russian researcher at the Institute for the Study of Wars, writing in Foreign Policy. The time is now for Ukraine to expand its counteroffensive because a Russian military foothold in the southeast would make any scenario to end this war costlier in lives and resources and endanger Ukraine's long-term economic viability. This is in the week where they're assembling various reports from various news outlets. So you Putinoids out there, you should be smiling now. You should be happy. Your man Putin's making some progress. You people disgust me. You Putinoids disgust me. I'll be right back. Folks, I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor, and I want to tell you this sponsor is fantastic. Now, you'd never knowingly feed your dog food that's bad for their health, right? But many commercial dog foods are full of fillers and harmful additives. Dr. Marty Goldstein, a veterinarian for more than 45 years, has seen that poor ingredients lead to bad digestion, skin problems, and other critical issues. That's why he created his Nature's Blend Premium Freeze-Dried Raw Food, It's packed with real cuts of meat and superfood seeds, veggies, and fruit. My dog Marty is loving his Nature's Blend Premium raw dog food. I love that Nature's Blend is freeze-dried and pantry-safe. So for a limited time, save 50% off your first order. Really, folks, I want you to try it. I'm not kidding. There's no bigger dog person than us right here in the Levin family and you folks. Go to DrMartyPets.com slash Levin. 
That's drmartypets.com slash L-E-V-I-N or text LEVIN to 511-511. They offer a 100% 90-day return of your purchase price. Text L-E-V-I-N to 511-511. Text LEVIN to 511-511 and save 50% off your first order today. Again, I can't stress enough, it's so healthy, and your dog's going to love it. Dr. Marty, my Marty loves it. Text fees may apply. You may receive up to one additional text. Text STOP to opt out. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our final hour of the week. I hope you're okay. It's Memorial Day weekend. What does that mean? It means three days off. I got that. Monday's off. The government's closed. Isn't that amazing? The government's closed and nobody cares. Why don't we just call every Monday? In fact, why don't we call three, four days a week a national holiday and just close it? That's the way you get around it. But this is a serious holiday, Memorial Day. And it is a time to be with family. And we say this every year, but really we ought to honor it. It's a time to remember all of those who have died to serve this country. What exactly were they protecting? What were the men and women who fought for this country in these various wars, the biggest war we fought right here, the Civil War, what were they fighting for? What were they fighting for in World War One and World War Two and all the wars in between? What were they fighting for in Korea and Vietnam? Iraq and Afghanistan? One hellhole after another. What are they fighting for today? Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, are they fighting for the American Marxist movements? No, hell no. 
Are they fighting to destroy women's sports? Are they fighting for open borders? Are they fighting to bankrupt the nation and drive up the cost of everything, including gasoline and food? Are they fighting for the radical left agenda? Are they fighting for Americanism? We really have two worlds here. We have men and women who are raised to love this nation. And they love it. Red-blooded Americans of all colors, all stripes, all backgrounds, love the nation. They know there's no better. And they know if we lose this one, there's not another one. Which is why these elections and these political battles are so consequential. Because we have a party in this country that doesn't believe in the country's founding, that doesn't believe in the principles of the nation. This is a really dangerous situation. So Memorial Day, what do we celebrate? We celebrate the men and women who died, who believed in the Declaration of Independence, who believed in the Constitution, who believed in 1776, who believed that the Civil War was fought to unite the nation and to defeat slavery, who believed in a secure, sovereign America, who believed in a free people doing free things, not this stuff that's being indoctrinated into your children, not this stuff that's being spewed on television by reprobates, miscreants, and malcontents. And shame on the corporatists. They give a platform for the haters. And for these people who just keep trapping their, trashing their fellow citizens. And ask yourself, what have most of these people done for the country? What have most of these people and their families done for this country? Most of them have done nothing. Nothing. And they'll never do anything. Most of them know nothing, but they have a microphone. Why? Why? We have a Department of Education in this country that doesn't promote education. We have institutions in this country that had been completely devoured by the Marxist movements and the Democrat Party, from the media to entertainment and the bureaucracy, our classrooms. Miguel Cordona is the Secretary of Education. And he was asked a simple question by Congressman Jim Banks about the distinction between a male and a female and sports. And this is something that they do not want to answer in a straightforward manner, either the Secretary of Education or the future Supreme Court Justice. That's how radical this has become. I want you to listen to some of this exchange. 
I'm trying to bring to you things that you probably haven't heard during the course of the day. I'm the cleanup hitter in the evening. Cut 16, go. Do you believe it's fair or not for biological boys to compete against girls in sports? It's a simple question. I believe all students should have access to uh, sport. And so you do, you do support biological boys competing against girls in sports? I believe I answered the question. No, you haven't. Just, it's a simple question. Just answer the question. You either, the administration either supports it or you don't. You're saying, do I believe transgender uh, girls should have access to sports? Yes, I do. That's not what he asked. Cut 17, go. Do you believe that school districts should keep a child's involvement in gender transition a secret from their parents? Sir, I... I would love to answer questions on the budget, which is why I'm here. And I, I think what, what I'm so gathering... Mr. These are policies that your administration stands behind. You're asking me to fund your budget. And these are policies that you stand for. It's completely irrelevant to why you're here today. It's a simple question. Answer the question. Do you think the schools should keep it a secret from their parents if their children are involved in gender transition? Parents, Listen, parents and schools must work together to support students, and I do strongly support. And if you look through the work that we've uh, supported and, and our policies and our practices, we want should, parents- Should schools to ever keep that a secret from parents? Excuse me? Should schools ever keep it a secret from parents if their children are involved in gender transition? Schools should always- should be a secret from parents? Schools should be partnering with parents in communication. And there are times where schools uh, are- working and supporting students on issues that are very sensitive. Uh, but I do believe that parents should be connected with schools. And in many cases, um, working together is what's gonna help the student. I have spoken to students who've shared um, whatever situation is at the home that they felt safe uh, at the school. And we have to be careful not to um, try to turn this into something that it's not. Our schools are safe places for our students, and our teachers are often the frontliners yeah. when it comes to supporting students uh, when they have issues uh, in, in their lives. What a mealy mouth. No, schools shouldn't keep secrets from parents. No, they shouldn't. This is the Secretary of Education. They should slash that budget since it has very little to do with education. It's a damn shame that department was ever formed. And I want you to know something. That department was formed under, over the objections of conservatives. It was formed by Jimmy Carter with the help of Republicans in the Senate. Who were bought and paid for by the NEA. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Chinese, communist Chinese are on the move, of course. We've been talking about this now for a long time. AgriPulse, a magazine obviously involving agriculture, Chinese interest in U.S. agriculture assets could pose security risk, Federal Report says. Chinese are on the move. We're busy brainwashing our kids about nonsense, how to hate their country. Let me tell you something else that's down. Recruitment into our military services is way down. Way down. 
Remember, it's an all-voluntary military. It's a big problem. Baby formula supply should return to normal in two months, says the FDA commissioner. You can thank the Biden administration for that. It's not Abbott. The federal study reveals how long U.S. consumers expect roaring inflation to persist. At least a year. Congressional Budget Office debt estimates undercut Biden's big deficit reduction claims. You know what the next problem is? I touched on this several months ago, too. Interest rates, not just yours and mine. The federal government has to pay interest to itself on the debt. And one of the reasons the Fed has kept the interest rates low has nothing to do with you or even the economy. It has to do with the fact that a bigger and bigger percentage of the federal budget will be going to paying this debt service. We're in deep, grave trouble. It's no joke. All right. I want to take some of your calls. It's a Friday. I've got a lot of stuff here, but I've kind of overwhelmed you probably at this point. Let's go to Doug, Cartersville, Georgia, on the Mark Levin app. Doug, go right ahead, please. Uh, g- good evening, Mark. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a father of two young children and a combat veteran. And Thank you. my heart just breaks for these families. Unbelievable. But, uh, yes. And uh, I'd be remiss if it's Memorial Day weekend if I didn't if I didn't mention uh, Daniel Chairs. Uh, I served in the Marine Corps with him in boot camp, and uh, he was killed in Ramadi in 2006. But I call because uh, because um, like I said, I'm a father of two young children and a combat veteran. And uh, when I came back from when I came back, I was deployed to Iraq for two years from 2007 to 2009. And when I came back, this country had changed from the election of Barack Obama. And I equate like what happened basically to his erect, his election because uh, the country changed for the worse and it's dramatically increased over time. And as a father of two young children and a combat veteran, what I saw in Iraq that that was just unbelievable evil that took place. It, uh, it affected me, and uh, I think that, that, that what, it, what it transpired over there has come home to roost, and that as a father, there is no way that I will relinquish my right to bear arms to protect my family, mm-hmm. and I blame the Democrat Party for a lot of what has happened to this country. I think that and you're that right. Is, this is I'm going to boldly agree with you. You're absolutely right, and the media, and these... Uh, these indoctrination mills and these racists who just hate this country, white and black racists, who just spread their damnable hate day in and day out. The politicians play into it. It's really quite upsetting, depressing even. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Why Why would uh, the Democrats are let they let they burn down half the country? during 2020 for Marxist terror riot on behalf of a career criminal that died of, basically died of a fentanyl overdose that had put a all gun right, to all right, all right, all right. What is your question? My question is, 
Why should we relinquish our right to bear arms to protect our families when they're Who letting said we in are? and child molesters? Uh, and we're not relenting. Okay. I want to thank you for your service. I appreciate it. We're not relinquishing it. And that's the problem they have on the left. That is a constitutional right. They can keep attacking the Constitution, and it's not just the Second Amendment. They attack the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Remember, they were attacking that last month. We talked about this. They attack oil companies that are in the business of producing oil because they don't want oil. They create these supply chain problems, among other things, and then they attack the baby formula companies and the meat companies and the farmers, and it's everybody else's fault. No, it's them. It's their policies. And they spread hate. Bob, Los Angeles, California, 870. The great KRLA country. Go right ahead. Hey, good evening, Mark, and thank you for taking my call, and you're a great American. Hey, I'm a a retired L.A. uh, cop and an ex-Marine, but one of the things I wanted to, to bring forward was what you said about what happened with those 19 cops waiting, and I don't know how long it is uh, they, they were out there, but one of the things we learned after the L.A. riots was that we needed to have on-site equipment at each police station. We called them mobile field force kits, and I think by law that each school in this country should have multiple kits like that that have the up armor, uh, maybe some tear gas, maybe even some flashbangs, whatever it takes to put a suspect uh, either down or distract him. But, but sometimes he's in that school. And you can't even get to the police station. And well, no, no. what? Well, go ahead. Have them in in the school. In the school. In the school. Yeah. That, that my, my, yes. Each school should have those types of mobile field force boxes in the school. So that way, when the four first officers or two officers or whatever arrives, they have the equipment ready to go there at the school. That the staff there should be trained to send that equipment to the room, to the hallway, or the area I actually think that's a very good idea, because if they rush in there and they get killed, that's not saving any lives either. But all that said, if you're a parent of one of those kids, you would have rushed in there with your bare hands if you had to. I really believe that. I would have. I mean, I can say I would have, but i got to believe I would have. I'll be right back. Conservatism with passion. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Now, folks, this Sunday, if all goes as planned, on Life, Liberty, and Levin, we're going to be running my expose of the New York Times. I've had a lot of people say I missed it because they ran it on Easter Sunday. I got it. It's now Memorial Weekend, and given the fact that this involves the Soviet Union, the Third Reich, Castro, and these things, I thought it was very important to run it again as it exposes the New York Times and really the rest of the media for exactly what they are. So again, that's a schedule to run on Sunday. I have to hope the executives or the producers, whomever makes these decisions, doesn't yank it. Boy, do I get fired up when they do. So, I hope you'll watch this show. 
even if you've seen it before, I bet you missed certain aspects of it because I had to go through it rather quickly. And in a one-hour show where I really have 40 minutes, there are no guests, just me, myself, and I, all three of us. And people will often say to me, can you send me a copy of that show? No, it doesn't work that way. There's copyright laws. I can't send you a copy of the whole show. You'll only see little clips here and there. So again, Life, Liberty, and Levin is is really one of these special, and I think in many ways a historic program that lays out the case against the New York Times. And I'll tell you what's interesting. The New York Times never responded. It never replied. Gee, I wonder why. The last article I want to discuss with you is actually by Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan. It was in the Wall Street Journal the other day. Why we won't talk to the January 6th committee. If Republican leaders were to participate in this political stunt, it would change the House forever. While Americans are struggling to put gas in the tank and food on the table. Democrats are busy weaponizing government to attack Republicans. Look no further than the January 6th Select Committee investigation. Democrats created the Select Committee last year and packed it with partisans. Speaker Nancy Pelosi rejected Republicans' chosen members, violating more than 232 years of House precedent, and also declined to appoint the required 13 members. These actions deprive the committee of balance and objectivity and raise questions about its legitimacy. True to form, the select committee's statements and actions have shown that it isn't interested in a fair investigation. Democrats prejudged the outcome last year, declaring in their impeachment brief that President Trump was, quote, unmistakably responsible, unquote, for the events of January 6th. Democrats have also accused the Republican colleagues of, quote, sedition, unquote, and called us, quote, traitors, unquote. With no effective check on its power, the select committee is trampling on fundamental constitutional rights. It is investigating the political speech of private citizens and demanding access to their personal records and private communications. When disputes over the requests arise, the committee refuses to engage and seeks to punish There's no presumption of innocence. Instead, Chairman Bernie Thompson declared citizens who invoke the Fifth Amendment are, quote, part and parcel guilty to what occurred, unquote. Rather than operating openly, the select committee is working behind closed doors and selectively leaking cherry-picked information. When it has presented some evidence in public, the committee's been caught deliberately altering documents including a text message pertaining to one of us to malign conservatives. One would expect this sort of inquiry from a banana republic, not from the U.S. House of Representatives. By subpoenaing us and three other Republican members, the select committee is escalating its abusive tactics. This attempt to coerce information from members of Congress. I mean, they've subpoenaed the head of the opposition party in the House, for crying out loud. The select committee is escalating its abuse of tax. This attempt to coerce information from members of Congress about their official duties is a dangerous abuse of power, serves no legitimate legislative purpose, and eviscerates constitutional norms. Just because members of Congress are responsible for writing the laws doesn't give a select few license to subvert them.
In January, we sent the select committee letters in response to its request for interviews, raising good faith concerns and seeking to protect the prerogatives of the House. Our letters went unanswered and unacknowledged for four months. The select committee now rushes to issue these unprecedented subpoenas in May, just in time for its pre-scheduled primetime hearings next month. And in case one doubts the political nature of this investigation, so-called investigation, Representative Adam Schiff sent a campaign fundraising email about the subpoenas before Republican members had even received them. Even if the January 6th Select Committee was acting in good faith, we have no relevant information that would assist in advancing its legislative purpose. Democrats know this because we told them it in January. We told them we can't attest to Speaker Pelosi's failure to secure the Capitol in advance of January 6th. We can't elaborate on former U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sun's statement that a concern about optics, quote-unquote, contributed to the limited security response. And we can't add to the bipartisan comprehensive findings of the Senate Investigative Committee that were completed last year. For House Republican leaders to agree to participate in this political stunt would change the House forever. Every representative in the minority would be subject to compelled interrogations by the majority under oath without any foundation of fairness and at the expense of taxpayers. The American people deserve better than Democrats' weaponization of its majority rule. That is beautifully stated, and I want to add and underscore again, it's even worse. They are violating the Constitution. They're perfect. Purposely skirting the Bill of Rights and those rights that belong to individual citizens, whether they be potential witnesses or without knowing it, become subjects set up for obstruction charges or whatever they have in mind by using the patina of a legislative purpose in a congressional hearing to gather information for the corrupt Department of Justice and the political. Meritless Garland. They're denying these individuals, all individuals, their due process rights and other rights in the Constitution and various criminal statutes. And yet we have judges, judges who refuse to uphold the law. We have judges in Washington, D.C. who refuse to uphold the law. We have one judge in the Central District of California refuses to hold the law and then gives his opinion from the bench about former President Trump and the individual in front of the court, one of his former lawyers. It's unbelievable what we're hearing and what we're seeing. The problem is we've seen our country go through such things before. And when there is this kind of whirlwind of attack, monopolized media, people scared, people threatened, people who won't speak out because they're wondering if they're next. That's exactly the kind of environment that you would expect in totalitarian regimes. Exactly the kind of environment. On the last day 
where she could. Dizzy Lizzie Cheney has announced that she's running for re-election. And as of today, reportedly, she's 30 points behind her Republican challenger in the Republican primary. She's received most of her money from the Washington, D.C. crowd, from fundraisers in places like a Tony suburb of Washington, McLean, Virginia, not Wyoming. She rarely goes home to Wyoming. She's very busy on this committee, from what I understand. This committee has former federal prosecutors, two former U.S. attorneys. That should tell you all you need to know about the so-called legislative purpose. It's more a criminal purpose. And their dragnet is big. Trust me, I've seen it. It's big. It's broad. It is a big blanket. The people should not be afraid. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, those families who have lost loved ones in war, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know what you've gone through, too. The Gold Star families. And war is long past. The Vietnam War, the Korean War, World War II. And other wars and other battles, some of them so secret we're not allowed to know about them. We honor you and celebrate you on this Memorial Day weekend. And we also pray for those poor souls who were slaughtered in that elementary school and their God knows suffering families. America, in your honor.
Livingites, give your kids an extra hug, extra kiss. It's a family weekend, and we pray for those who've passed in defense of this country as well. We salute our armed forces, police officers, fighter fires, emergency personnel, our trucker friends, our friends of Ukraine, our fellow citizens in Uvala, Texas. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. Good night, Indy. And good night, little Barney. And good night, Dad and Mom and Leo and Joe. And God bless each and every one of you.